I'm Tom Tate, and this is the Power Time Podcast Summer of Streaming. What's up, Power Players? Welcome back to another episode of the Power Time Podcast. Before we jump into today's episode, just a quick shout out to everyone who answered the new question of the week. It's been a lot of fun to read everyone's answers, and it's not too late if you wanted to uh, check out the last episode and answer that question. If you enjoyed this episode, I definitely invite you to please leave a quick and honest review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Reviews help support the show in so many different ways, and it would be greatly appreciated. I would also love to share your feedback on the show. Uh, So that would be a lot of fun. Also, if you're listening in real time, it's Thursday, July 20th, and I'll be hanging out on Twitch tonight, streaming most likely DuckTales, uh, one of my favorite games on the NES. Head on over to twitch.tv slash yo, Y-O, power time. I'll probably hop on there around 8.15, 8.30-ish Eastern Standard Time. And finally, if you want to keep tabs on all the things that are going on with Power Time, you can follow me on Twitter at Yo Power Time, Y-O Power Time. Definitely interact with me there. And you can join the Power Time Podcast Discord server at powertimepodcast.com slash discord. That's it for all the announcements today. I just wanted to jump in with a few things that are going on, but I really want to get into this interview because I had such a great conversation with Matthew Green. I'm not going to delay. Let's hop right into it. What's up, Power Players? Welcome back to the Power Time Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Tate, and I'm very excited to have another special guest on the show. We have a true veteran in content creation, uh, video game writing, and podcasting. He is the creator of PressTheButtons.com, and he hosts the Power Button Podcast. Matthew Green, welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited about this. I've been listening to your show, uh, which I guess it's it's uh, fair to say that you co-host that show. Uh, but it's it's a great show. So if anyone is looking uh, for another video game podcast, uh, really where it's just some solid commentary on what's happening on uh, in the industry right now, definitely check out uh, Power Button Podcast, and we will link that up in the show notes. Uh, but again, I, I I wanted to have you on the show uh, as soon as I read the straightforward description on your site, which is one man's opinions and commentaries on happenings in the video game industry. I just love how uh, brief and to the point that is um, and uh, direct. Like, it's just awesome that, you know, here it is. And you've been doing it for quite a long time. Uh, it seems like your site has been around since 2005. Yes. That's awesome. And episode uh, 243 of the Power Button Podcast. So you've been podcasting for a while. And I believe I was reading on your site that that podcast started out of the ashes of a different podcast. Yes, it did. I got my start writing for, at the time, was called GameCube Advanced. This was back in 2004. And then GameCube Advanced decided to break out and cover more than just the GameCube. So then there was PlayStation Advanced and Xbox Advanced and all these other channels that turned into the Advanced Media Network, cool. which later turned into Combo.com with a K. And then from Combo, we had decided we wanted to do a podcast on the site. There were about, I want to say, 20 of us at any given time writing for the site. Sure. Yeah. 
And in 2009, the owner said, hey, we want a podcast. Podcasting is big. We should get on this. Who wants to do a show? And there were four of us that threw a hat in the ring and said, well, I guess we could try to do something because we'd never done it before. And that, and that led to the show Combo Breaker, which that ran for a year. And then we decided to spin off and come over to my site and start there. Yeah, and it's it's cool because it's funny you say 2009 podcasting was really big, uh, but really it was kind of in its infancy. So you got in there pretty early uh, in the grand scheme of things, which is awesome. I like to think so. We never really had the listenership at Combo. And part of that was just because I don't think we ever really knew how to properly market it, how to get our okay. name out there and say, hey, this is our show. You should listen to it. It just it never quite happened for us there. In fact, we had more listeners at uh, on Power Button than we ever did on Combo Breaker, which was made us feel really good. Well, I guess back then you didn't really have uh, Twitch and Twitter and a lot of the same uh, community channels you have now to kind of expand the audience. I mean, back then everything was in RSS readers, and you don't really hear about those anymore. Now it's all just social media sharing. Sure, and I guess IRC and RSS. Yep. Awesome. Well, I want to introduce you to the show uh, and any listeners who are tuning in for the first time. So Power Time is a Nintendo podcast, and it's primarily focused on taking a deep dive into each issue of Nintendo Power. Uh, I was obsessed with Nintendo Power growing up, and they all appeared one day on archive.org. So I geeked out and I read a bunch of issues, and then Nintendo uh, filed a complaint, and then they were gone. Uh, So I was inspired to start this podcast to kind of revive an interest in Nintendo Power because it seemed like a lot of people uh, were, it it really tickled that nostalgic bone that a lot of people wanted uh, to be tickled. So uh, I'm taking a break from the issue episodes for the summer just to hang out and talk about games with interesting people. Um, So here we are. Uh, and I want to ask you uh, my first question, which is about your your scope of work, your portfolio. And you know, after over a decade of writing uh, for the web and podcasting, uh, is there anything that you've done, any specific pieces that really uh, have stood the test of time that you look back on super fondly? My outright a- favorite piece I've ever written was a deep dive into a little Super Nintendo Sega Genesis series called Arrow the Acrobat. Awesome. I remember it fondly. Oh, uh, yeah. That was a favorite of mine when I was, geez, how old was I? That came out in 93. So I was 12 when that game came out. Cool. And it, it was the era of the mascot platformer where everyone, everybody wanted to have the next Sonic the Hedgehog. Sure. And Arrow was never really trying to be Sonic, but he got lumped in with that group with Bubsy and Plock and all those others. Yeah. And I had the opportunity when I was at Combo to interview David Siller, who was the creator of Arrow. And he handed over the original design document for that Super Nintendo game. Wow. Which, which was really just, it was his own handwritten sketches on graph paper of how the game should function. I, I, I went through it and I wrote the piece all about it and the history of the game and the sequel and then the spinoff they did a couple years later with the uh, Eros Nemesis Zero, the Kamikaze Squirrel. I said to David, this is such a unique look at this document here. Can I just share this outright and just show it to everybody? He said, sure. So we ran the piece on Combo. And it just kind of landed with a thud because Combo was pushing the latest and greatest game news every day, the latest and the next gen. And a Super Nintendo deep dive didn't really fit there. So uh, once Combo folded, I got the rights to all of my pieces back and I started republishing republishing them at PressTheButtons.com. And the arrow piece went up and that's when it finally caught on. That's when it got traffic. So it just shows me that that's that's where it belongs, where – 
things that I write about interest me, and it doesn't matter if they're the latest and greatest news or if they're a look back in the retro gaming world or if it's just something somewhat more personal and in between but still gaming related. So I'm, I'm always holding up that error article as look at this because I promise you you have not heard this story about this little game. And I, I have to compliment you. That's on your site, so we'll link that up too. I have to compliment you for another article that I was really fond of because I'm a huge Mega Man fan. And uh, you wrote this uh, deep dive on the Capcom turnaround. Oh, yes. Which is amazing. And I, I'm going to point everybody to check this out because it's screenshots from all of the Mega Man titles that uh, basically introduce the single screen where you drop into a room, you go left, you drop down a level, you go right, and you exit the room. And it's amazing to see how uh, frequently they repeated this simple design. Uh, but I was reading this this article and I was just thinking, you know, very few uh, commentators on, on video games uh, look at these things this way and take this angle. Uh, so that's kind of like, I definitely think you have such a unique spin on a lot of the uh, articles that you've written. Uh, there's a brief history of Darkwing Duck. Like, where are you going to find that? That's pretty I love awesome. I that one too, yeah. And uh, I also found an article on your site, Wild for Wario Land, uh, which reminded me of the first interview we did this summer with John Harrison, who was talking about the Virtual Boy Wario Land, which apparently, I've never played it, but apparently it's pretty awesome. Uh, one of the best. It is. I have that one. I bought my Virtual Boy used in about 2000 or so, before they got really expensive and hard to find. Mm -hmm. And Wario Land was the reason I bought it, because I wanted to play that game. I missed it when it was new. I'm a big Wario Land fan. And yeah, it is one of the better ones that they made. I wish they would put that back out there for the 3DS. Somehow, sure. Yeah. So, uh, quick question, and and you know this might be uh, your era uh, story, but any other uh, memorable interviews or any kind of uh, run-ins with anyone in the industry uh, that you never would have imagined would have happened? I've I've had the opportunity to meet Charles Martinet a few times, who's the voice oh, of cool. Mario, Luigi, Wario. Uh, one of, my, one of my favorite stories about him was I was at E3 in 2009, which was the year that New Super Mario Brothers for the Wii was being promoted and shown off. Sure. And he was there at the Nintendo booth playing the game with all of us who would wait in line to have a chance to play it. And I guess they hadn't recorded the Mario sound effects yet, you know, the woohoos and things. He was doing sure. them live while we played. That's, that's awesome. Yes. Love that. That's a great story. Is he a nice guy? Oh, yeah. Cool. Um, so I, I want to quickly get into uh, what I'm calling the Nintendo 10, which is 10 quick questions about your history with Nintendo. Uh, but before I do that, because I have been listening to your podcast, uh, you've been discussing Breath of the Wild and the new DLC. I'm just curious, what is your general opinion on the Switch uh, to date? And do you predict that it's going to continue to be successful? I put more time into Breath of the Wild than any other game on the Switch. Uh, I have Super Bomberman R, which uh, okay. my, my girlfriend and I put about an hour into, and sure. then just have not gone back because because Zelda. I mean, how can we not? So I I spend most of my time playing the Switch as a little handheld device with the Joy Cons locked onto it. Yep, it looks great on TV, but it's so much more convenient to carry it around the house and just you know lay down on the couch or sit down on the bed and just play there for a few minutes. I hope it continues to be successful. There's a lot of great stuff coming up for it. Really excited for Super Mario Odyssey. Sure. I mean, that that's my big game of the, the last quarter of the year there. People seem to like it, and I hope it continues. I totally agree. And uh, I probably put about 65, 70 hours into Breath of the Wild. Um, and I'd say 55 hours of that 
was handheld. Um, so th- to me, that that is the preferred way to play. Uh, and and I've definitely been gravitating towards that. I haven't played the DLC yet. I think I'm going to wait until the story DLC comes out and then uh, do both back to back. Something I wish I had done is that I had finished the main story. I had defeated Calamity Ganon before the DLC came out. So I finished the game. About a month goes by. DLC comes out. Great. Time to go back and do this again. And I start picking up these legendary treasures that are in the game. Midnight's helmet, Tingle's outfit, the phantom uh, armor, that sort of thing. Sure. My regular armors and costumes and clothes that I've collected during the main part of the game are more powerful than these legendary items. Because I've been so, able to upgrade them and power upgrade them. Upgrade up. them. Yeah. Sure. So it was great to go collect them, but I never really use them now because what I have already is the better gear. Is maxed out. Sure. Yeah. 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 I haven't done all the upgrades yet, so maybe I should I should uh, not make that same error uh, and jump right in and try to get some of that rewarding armor. Uh, I, I do have one quick question, and you know I'm, I'm curious your take on this because you know you did cover the GameCube and you covered a lot of games in that generation specifically. I remember when Resident Evil 4 was released for the GameCube. To me, that was a statement that you know third-party support on this Nintendo console uh, is comparable, if not rivaling, the other platforms that are out right now. Can you think of any third-party uh, titles or any third-party franchises that could make that kind of statement on the Switch or that you would like to see make that kind of statement? Hmm. I think the easy answer is Grand Theft Auto. I'm not sure. sure. That's, I'm not sure that's the best answer, but that's the easiest answer. An exclusive Grand Theft Auto exclusive? Yeah, or for least, sure. Or, or at least time li- or at least a, a timed exclusive. Time sensitive. Yep. Yeah. I think any major third-party game that is currently out there on the PS4 or the Xbox One, if the next installment of that series was a Switch exclusive, at least for a while, that would make your statement. I, Capcom comes up with um, Ultra Street Fighter 2. Yeah. Which, great idea on paper, but we already kind of had that as Super Street Fighter 2 HD Turbo Remix. All the different, uh, all yeah. The, yeah, I mean, they added a, sure. two new characters to it that are just kind of redone versions of, of uh, Ryu and Ken. Yep. I know that Sony co-sponsored and financed Street Fighter V, so that was never going to show up on the Switch. But my version of Street Fighter Two that I would rather have seen them do was to take other Street Fighter characters from Street Fighter Three and Four and drop those back into Two, just for the hell of it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That would have been a bigger statement as, hey, we're doing something unique and special here as opposed to, well, here's Street Fighter 2 again. Or, or even, you know, go deep with some of the Marvel vs. Capcom types of characters. Go really interesting with that. Okay, awesome. Uh, so I'm going to transition uh, into the Nintendo 10. And uh, the goal here is to not think too, too deeply on any of these specific answers because they can go many different ways. Uh, but uh, to kind of dig deeper into your history with Nintendo uh, and just how you feel about uh, specific titles. And I love asking the same questions to different people because you get such different answers. Um, so it's been a lot of fun so far, and uh, I'm excited to see what we can come up with today. Uh, so the first question, uh, again, this is going way back. Uh, what were your earliest experiences with any Nintendo game or console? The first Nintendo game I played was Super Mario Brothers. It awesome. Was, it was when I was in the first grade at a friend's birthday party. And I had never heard of it, never seen it, knew nothing about it until there we were at this party and everyone was taking turns playing it. And it just immediately just captured my attention. It's like, what is this and how can I get so much more of it? 
And it was a very lucky coincidence that my father, who at the time was the manager of a factory in my hometown that manufactured foam parts. If you've ever bought a television or a major appliance and it comes in that foam shell that perfectly captures the shape of the device, you know what I'm talking about? Yep. Yeah, his factory made those foam shapes. Awesome. And this was back in, I want to say, 1987 or so. Nintendo of America had approached my father's factory, along with a number of other factories, to manufacture the foam inserts for the NES. And as part of this uh, conversation, they sent over everything that came in that uh, whatever action set it was at the time. The console, the two controllers, Mario Duck Hunt, and the gray zapper. The zapper, sure. Yeah. So they, they, they kept it at the factory for a couple of days and did their measurements and their testing on it. And then it wound up at my house. That's oh, that's such a great story. That's yeah. awesome. So it was just a loner for about eight or nine months. And then it had to go back to uh, Nintendo when my when the factory did not take the work. Sure. But for those eight or nine months, I had Super Mario Brothers and just spent every free minute I had where I wasn't with friends or studying or something playing this game. And then when it had to go back, it's like, well, I, I need one of these because there's many other games, too. Yes, yes. So I saved up my allowance and all the birthday and Christmas and Hanukkah money and stuff and went out and bought one. Bought it with bought the same action set from a Toys R Us along with Bubble Bobble was the first actual game that I chose off the shelf. Yeah, that was a fantastic game. We covered that a couple episodes on the show. Uh, it appeared in Nintendo Power a couple of times, and uh, that was one of my earliest titles too. And it's one of the only games I have these fond memories of uh, playing Nintendo with my mom. It was Paperboy and Bubble Bobble were the only two games she had any interest in playing. It must be um, something so about Bubble Bobble and Mothers because my mom and I used to play that too, and that was really the only one she wanted to play. It was easy to pick up, I guess, and uh, you know, simultaneous two-player, which was a bit unique there mm-hmm. not every game had it um so that was pretty cool okay uh that's a great story i, I love that you uh managed to get a console uh just based on your father's profession that's mm-hmm. cool uh so do you have a or did you have a subscription to nintendo power growing up of course uh any specific issues uh that you remember or recall because i i know i had a couple of that kind of uh, as I was paging through old issues, I absolutely remembered, you know, having the poster in my room, uh, having that particular issue next to my bed. It's been a long time since I've seen any of those magazines. I looked through that archive that you mentioned earlier when it was briefly available online, and I just remembered all of it. Yeah. But the ones that really stand out in my memory, there was an issue, I believe it was one of their January specials they did for the Super Power Club. It had a silver cover for Mega Man X. Oh, yeah, definitely. It came with the pogs and all that other good stuff. That was a big one. And then the 50th anniversary or 50th issue anniversary issue with uh, Link's Awakening on the cover. That was another one. And strangely enough, the one that covered Darkwing Duck, because I was such a big Darkwing Duck fan as a kid, and it still kind of am because I wrote the piece about it. Sure. But I was very excited for that game and just read that one repeatedly just to get ready for the game when it came out. Yeah, same here. I mean, I was a Mega Man junkie, so the, the fact that it kind of followed the same formula and almost the same engine maybe uh really stood out to me so the next question is you know what's your favorite game on any nintendo console and why the easy answer is super mario 64 okay because that was such a game changer at the time that's no pun intended there and was a game that helped me for the first time really think about three-dimensional animation and creation yeah and in my day job i work in architecture And for many years, I don't really do it so much anymore because I've moved up the ladder, but I used to do a lot of 3D modeling of construction concepts. 
And the opening cinematic of Mario 64 where the camera zooms around the castle sure. is something that just it just hit my brain in the right way. And then years later, doing this 3D modeling, I'm, I kind of borrowed that camera move a lot of times to zing yeah. around the, the models we were building. So I like to credit that game a little bit to my career. And the other one that stands out large for me is uh, The Wind Waker, the Zelda game. Okay. Yeah, uh, which came out around a time when I was very, very ill and had to basically drop out of college for a semester and uh, put my job on hold and just basically wait at home for treatment. And I wasn't able to go anywhere or do anything for about five or six months. And that game just gave me a purpose because that's all I would do for day and night because I couldn't do anything else. I physically was unable to go anywhere or do anything except lay in my chair and play Zelda. So that, that game really kept me tethered for a while. I, I credit that a lot. And that was a great Zelda to to have to be tethered to for oh, sure. The exploration. That, that, that I mean, a... not since Breath of the Wild really has the, has it had that feeling where you could just kind of go anywhere and just, huh, what's that over there? I'll go check it out. I think we look back, uh, you know, on the sailing mechanic as something that we didn't really have the patience for, uh, mm-hmm. but it was very very novel at the time, and I totally agree. The exploration was huge in that game. So the next question, it could be the same answer. It's a slight twist on the previous question, but what would you say is the best game on any Nintendo console? I'll tell you the one that I come back to the most, just to replay it one more time, is Mega Man 3. Okay. That's a great answer. Thank you. I I, I think Mega Man 2 might have been John's answer, actually, uh, in that first first episode that we did this summer. Um, 3 is my favorite. Uh, I will say that. I don't know if I think that three is the best, but it's definitely my favorite of the NES era era uh, Mega Man's for sure. The music is so good. I love the music. I can blast through it pretty quickly because the muscle memory is still there after twenty some years. Yeah. I, now two is a great game as well, but th- and a three feels a little rough around the edges in places, and that might be why I like it more. It's, yeah. It's, it, yeah. It just feels more not not so much refined and a, a little more hands on, and that's like they didn't quite get around to the scope of everything they wanted to do. Yeah. It has a charm to it. It's a great game. Awesome. Uh, and the, actually, uh, preview for anybody who's listening, in September, we're going to go back to the uh, Nintendo Power issue episodes, and that'll be the first one, uh, because the first issue of 1991, uh, which is where we're at, was Mega Man 3. So I'm super excited about that. Uh, so stay tuned. Uh, next question. Uh, we're going to go to the opposite end of the spectrum. What is your least favorite game on any Nintendo console. And I like to frame this up as maybe it was a rental that you got stuck with uh, or something that you bought thinking it was going to be great and it was just awful. I'm the guy that went up to the video game counter at a Kmart and said, I'd like to buy Mario is Missing, please. Mm-hmm. And I knew what it was. I knew it was edutainment, but I really sure. didn't care because after Super Mario World, I wanted more of that. And on Super as, Nintendo. Yeah, as long as I could run and jump. And yeah, sure, there was some learning, but I like to learn, so why not? <laughs> and it's not that it was a bad game, but it was a very short game. I mean, I finished yeah. the whole thing in just like a couple hours one afternoon. Yeah, definitely a waste of a purchase yeah. at that point, right? I mean, if if yeah. I had bought it at like a super discount sale, like a ten, it's like a $10 one, that would have been one thing. But to pay full retail for that, whew, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we'll cover that too. I'm sure it was featured in Nintendo Power at some point. Feels like it was. Uh, so next question, favorite soundtrack or a musical theme uh, from any Nintendo game? 
there's so many timeless themes. The Mario themes are all timeless and classic. The Zelda themes. Earthbound, though, is what stands out for me. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. the music in Earthbound because it, it just fits every situation that you find yourself in. It can be pulse pounding. It can, it can be soothing and relaxing. It can be interpreted in so many ways. And I love what they do over at Overclock Remix. Have you ever listened to them there, the ocremix.org? Well, the a couple. So I don't go digging through that site uh, for like deep cuts, but they did the Chrono Trigger Jazz uh, tribute, which mm-hmm. is fantastic, and uh, the Final Fantasy VI uh, tribute album, which is really awesome too. There's some great music in there from Earthbound, especially the Tucson theme. It's called uh, Boy Meets Girl. Okay. It's the original track title. Cool. A lot of great piano solos of that piece in there. Yeah, um, I mean, that's that that's a very jazzy soundtrack. It really uh, is. Yeah, that's a great soundtrack. Awesome. Yeah, that's a good pick. Uh, so uh, next question, kind of broad, but do you have any super unique Nintendo memories or stories from throughout the years? Getting to go to E3 was is, uh, is a big memory for me. I, I went seven times from 2005 through 2011. And that's would, awesome. Would always stop by the Nintendo booth and see what they were doing there. And the first year that I went in 05, they were showing uh, Dance Dance Revolution Mario Mix okay, for the GameCube. GameCube, yeah. Which I had never played a DDR game ever. And I happened to be walking by and they were trying to get people to come over and try it because they weren't really getting a lot of takers on the demo. You had to take your shoes off for it. And people were just were not up for doing that in public and performing around a crowd like that. Sure. But I heard the soundtrack. And yeah. that's one that they, they did some interesting remixes of classic Mario music in that game. And so, I, I, not, not to interrupt you there, but standing around listening to that, it's like, okay, I'll give this a try. And I was terrible at it. Yeah. But I eventually did get it for home and you know, actually was able to be pretty pre- uh, respectable at it and got into some pretty good shape using that game. Yeah, definitely. I My younger brother had that game because um, he ended up inheriting my GameCube. Uh, so he would take uh, – take all of his allowance money and get super cheap games uh, because it was well past, you know, the GameCube era. And uh, he actually had that game. And I remember playing that definitely. Uh, So did you experience uh, the Wii for the first time at E3 or see it for the first time? I did. I waited in that very long line in 2006 just to play Super Mario Galaxy is what I was after. That's awesome. Very cool. Uh, So next question, Uh, has your relationship with video games influenced your work? And if so, how? And you already touched on this uh, with Super Mario uh, 64. Yes, it it definitely has. I mean, Nintendo is part of why I was interested in computers. So when I went off to, to college, I majored in information technology and got my bachelor's degree in that. And I actually got a minor in creative writing because I was interested in the, the game writing side of it, too. And then in my day job now, working in architecture and construction, I've had the opportunity to do a a little bit small-scale city planning. And there's been some street names that I've been able to sneak some game references into, which you probably won't notice unless you're familiar with it. Yeah. Yeah. uh, One of the streets is named after a Sonic the Hedgehog boss, but you you, you might not realize it when you saw it. What's the name? uh, What's the name? I'd rather not say because I want it to stay that way. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. (laughs) Cool. And then there's a few buildings that I had a hand in shaping that, taken as a group, form the uh, the Mario question mark block. Oh, wow. And seen from above. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, that's it's always an interesting answer because many people end up in different lines of work. Uh, but I feel like our collective passion of, for video games, it always finds a way uh, into influencing what we do uh, during our day job. 
So my next question uh, is, if you could greenlight a reboot or a remake of any Nintendo game, what would it be? How about a translation? Because I'm still waiting on Mother 3 here in the States. But uh, Abs- Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But uh, probably to answer your question more, what you were thinking about, I mentioned Arrow the Acrobat earlier. I, yep. w- I would like to see that come back. I was a big fan of that. The gameplay is a lot of fun. But th- that's another game where the soundtrack is just amazing. Because it's a lot of madcap circus music, and it's a lot of organ sounds, but run through the Super Nintendo sound chip. Sure. And it, it's just – it's amazing work. And I, if you've never heard it out there, look it up on YouTube. The soundtrack's out there. Get the Super Nintendo one, not the Genesis one. That not was, the Genesis. No, okay. No, no. Gotcha. The Super Nintendo one. I'd like to see that come back in some fashion. Well, if if Bubsy can make a comeback if in Bubsy 2017, comeback. right, then I'm sure we could definitely arrange oh, for man. that or at least uh, lobby the right people. I mean, Bubsy is back. Even Plock is back as a comic book now drawn oh, by wow. the original really? creators of that. So there's hope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Crash, too. Crash is back. That's I mean, right, I know yeah, Crash, Crash. Crash Crash was bigger, but uh, it seems like the mascots are definitely making a comeback. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll see. And the final question, what was the last question? great game you played this doesn't have to be a nintendo console could be anything uh but what was the last memorable gaming experience that you've had well the easy answer to that is breath of the wild because you know i I bought the machine just to play it and even though i had a wii u it's i wanted the switch version to be able to take it semi-portably around sure and i put over 100 hours into that i bought the dlc the week it came out because i knew already i was going to want more of this and that's been a fantastic solitary gaming experience. But I've also been playing a lot of Borderlands with my girlfriend. She and I play it on PS4. Oh, cool. And we played the original one together on PS3. And then when she got a PS4, we jumped over to Borderlands 2 and all of that DLC. And now we're on the pre-sequel. And that's, that's a fantastic game for us to play together because we love the humor. We love the action. And it's a great way just to spend some more time together. Yeah, I, I skipped over Borderlands. I don't know why or how, because uh, I had a PS3. Uh, so maybe I'll add that to my queue. Uh, definitely jump into that. It's a fun shooter. Cool. Awesome. Well, you've successfully completed the Nintendo 10. Uh, as always, I like to ask, do you have any feedback, any questions you would cut, any questions you would add? That's a pretty solid selection of questions. I, I really have no fault with it. Awesome. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for your time, uh, sharing some of your memories, sharing some of your experiences of writing in this industry for such a long time. Uh, Again, uh, I authentically enjoyed uh, reading your articles on your site. Uh, Again, the Capcom turnaround is just one of the most unique things that I've stumbled upon uh, on the web about video games. Uh, So thank you for your contributions. Again, I really appreciate the podcast as well. So I'm going to drop all the links in the show notes. uh, But one final time, if you want to share, where can people find you on the Internet? They can find me at PressTheButtons.com. You can find me on Twitter at PressTheButtons. You can find the podcast at powerbutton.pressthebuttons.com. We have a new show each week, and I co-host that with my pal Blake Grumman, who's been writing in the business as well for many years. And you can find the podcast as well on iTunes, on Google Play, and on Stitcher. Awesome, awesome. And again, we'll make it super easy. We'll link all that up. Uh, Again, uh, Matthew, thank you. Uh, Thanks for stopping by. And when we hit Darkwing Duck... Uh, I might be giving you another call uh, just to see if you want to drop some quick quotes or commentary uh, when we kind of go in depth and talk about that game. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. I'm happy to do it. Thank you for having me here. 
Yeah, totally. Well, enjoy the evening. That's going to wrap up today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, and I hope that you did, please leave a quick review on Apple Podcasts. An honest review helps me continue to improve the show and also find new listeners uh, so that I can keep putting out more episodes. Uh, I want to thank you, the listener, for your time and attention. I really appreciate it. If you have any feedback, you can head on over to powertimepodcast.com, fill out the quick contact form, or you can contact me on Twitter at Yo Powertime, Y-O Powertime. I want to thank you again. And as always, keep on playing with power.